Camor Prescott Road, this is Stalking Art, a series about pairing and conversing with art thinkers and makers on how they ponder. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting with two of the most successful and thought-provoking artists of our times, Reena and Jitesh Kallat. She would barely say something and I would have acted on the painting already and she'd be like, why would you do that, you know? But actually what's interesting is at that moment when she has walked in, I have actually just called in an arbitrator. I think there's a lot more space for uh, humour with Jitesh around, I guess. <laughs> He's the one who makes more mischief. Hi, Reena and Jitesh. It's lovely to have you all on Stalking Art. Hi, Ashna. Hi, Ashna. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you guys today. You know, a lot has been said and much has been written about both of your very illustrious careers and your incredible practice and work. I mean, y'all are the ultimate artists for our couple. But today we're going to go down a slightly more nostalgic route and chat about where it all first started. You know, when y'all were students at your most impressionable at the JJ School of Art here in Bombay, which also happens to be the place where you guys first met and started this incredible partnership that y'all share. I'm just sort of intrigued to know what that time was like for y'all. You know, when when one reflects back, uh, you know, I think one of the ways to talk about the world then uh, to you, uh, since we are generationally quite apart in terms of age, would be by contrast. And I think, uh, you know, when we think about those times in contrast, I think one major difference would be the amount of data that surrounds an individual you know the this was pre-internet so i don't know if that's something you can imagine Mm, not really (laughs) but if you do if you can imagine that Mm -hmm. then um it it actually means that you would not be carrying all of the world's archive in your pocket it would mean that you know you did not have multiple screens that interfaced your uh understanding of the world uh there was not that electronic technological filament through mm. which your experience of the world is continuously translated to you through this uh, you know hyperlinked world so that did not exist um what existed uh, at the time that i think reena and i were entering art school was a very uh, restricted amount of information that would travel through platforms like the newspaper magazines and and a television set that mostly beamed uh, information for a few hours every day and that's about it you know and i think what we saw in those early days as art school students was uh, that world quite changed that that world of what one might say the world of the white general culture was mm-hmm. being transformed because this was the moment of india's liberalization and with it came uh, this shift from one single channel playing uh, information for just a couple of hours to cable TV as we knew it, which was a huge transformation of 24-7 entry of the world into individuals' living room, you know? Yeah. And personally, I thought in my own life and work, when I, especially when I look back, that was a very transformative moment. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely very interested in that sound and visual. Uh, As a young person, it felt like a detonation of that information in, in one's 
home setting. Personally speaking, I was also very interested and drawn into another completely different dimension, which was some of the wisdom traditions, you know, J. Krishnamurti, Carlos Castaneda's, um, Osho, you know, Tagore's Gitanjali. And I think that conflict of two kinds of interests playing out, I think, was quite central to my own uh, growing up, you know. So mm-hmm. widely speaking, of course, that change in the cultural domain, I think, would have impacted just about every young person at that time. But in my particular instance, I think this was mixed with certain questions about self-inquiry, self-reflection. And I think as a young person, the only way I could channel these questions were through a language that seemed to come out of a television set, that came out of a public billboard, that came out of so-called you know pop aesthetic, that would intermingle with this larger question about time, death, uh, you know, questions that still persist in my work mm-hmm. uh, but through the through the hyper stimulation of a changing television set and the public street because these billboards were soon appearing so i think liberalization i think maybe even rena might come upon this i think some of us and i think this is much later in time that there was of course the mumbai riots of the early 90s uh, i think the demolition of the babri masjid all of that i think played out much later at least when i look back it played out much much later in my work but i think mm-hmm. very early on in the art school days i think uh, this change in the amount of and the manner in which information came to us i think had a very uh, strong impact on one's thinking in fact you know college life in those years was very unlike what we would think like we, today because we would be outdoors studying under trees i mean literally the campus was a beautiful you know campus that was shared between the architecture department and the applied art department so the fine art department really you know had students from all of these various um, streams come together and there was like a central space where we all sort of came together and i think it was really what was very very vibrant um, at that time was the kind of interactions between uh, say our other colleagues artists friends and you know young students at that time so that was uh, what really fueled how we learned because like jyoti said it wasn't right being in inside the classroom was one experience of really learning the academic skills that was one thing but i think art history really opened up the mind to how you know what were the motivations of artists of of a certain generation their cultural mm-hmm. backgrounds their sort of socio political backgrounds all of that in terms of the context i think that was something that completely changed the way one would uh, understand art and and of course you know produce work in that environment so that was really exciting going to various other libraries because there wasn't uh, much material in the college library so i remember like both chitish and i would spend a lot of time going to say british council usis max miller mm. bhavan you know libraries or or even the one at moile parik center which was very generously open to us so it was really a time where we were thirsting to connect to the rest of the world because there was only there were only few places where you could have access to say magazines uh, that actually um carried information about what's happening in the rest of the world you know with even mm-hmm. the production of art so to speak so and also i think what really um informed our you know our sort of formative 
you know the way we think and the way it shaped our our um, understanding was through going to film festivals theater festivals and you know those were something that the city really offered besides the college campus mm-hmm. was of course with friends so i i guess it was these two things that it was pegged on but jitish touched upon this really um, you know significant moment i think all of us had experienced the riots in 92 93 when we were at our school and the sort of communal uh, you know sort of atmosphere of, of the, these kind of strains and that was a defining moment i would say for a lot of us and how we you know began to think about the city because we'd all grown up in a city that had been the most cosmopolitan place in all of india and and yeah we were by then experiencing these kinds of rifts between communities so mm-hmm. yeah so that then sort of um played a part in your work you know i think i mean now in retrospect of course one connects the dots as you think back and um you know you sort of think of various moments in your life and how they have had a transformative experience and i think it was much later i mean in those years of course i was already thinking about these kind of uh, you know the kind of resistance towards outsiders within the city of mumbai and we were seeing that play out play out you know where whether it was migrant communities so very early mm-hmm. um, a lot of the work that i made was you know i mean the the metaphor of the bureaucratic apparatus i was making a lot of work using the rubber stamp as something that either you know legitimizes state endorses or or sort of Uh, makes invisible so ideas of citizenship and the the sort of i think the early developments in the work certainly were linked to what we were seeing around us and as they were unfolding hmm also reena i mean it would be amazing if you could share any anecdotes or memories that come to mind of you know that time hanging out with your batchmates and also jitish um there were many occasions when these boys would do all kinds of crazy things like once uh, they brought umbrellas to class and sat under open umbrellas saying uh, if you're asked to paint a european landscape holding the palette and brush in a particular way then we might as well feel like we are outdoors in a landscape <laughs> one week uh, when jitish could not attend class uh, he because uh, he was still recovering he sent a poster painted by him to be put up in class that said i'm a potato because i have eyes uh, sort of <laughs> intentionally trying to be provocative to incite a response and you know for friends to write a doodle and he would write back so yeah they would like we would have to make weekly presentations of our work um while other students would ask questions and i remember this one time when one friend began rolling on the ground and holding a piece of mirror like reflecting other works in his and uh, jitish in a performative manner had this oldenburg's text uh, updated from Uh, 61 that goes like i'm for an art that does more than sit on its ass in a museum and he 
kept mm-hmm. responding to every question put to him from Oldenburg's text. Uh, but I think it was our disagreements that uh, probably got us closer because mm-hmm. then we would have long conversations about why he felt uh, it was necessary to shake the institution out of its complacency and question how art was being taught. Mm-hmm. Jitish and I shared the same class in the third, fourth and fifth year uh, when we would spend time at the library. It was quite distracting since he would be bringing down these big books and toss and turn them while I really wanted to read a book from cover to cover. And <laughs> he's someone who can stay very focused amidst chaos and mm. uh, but I remember you know feeling quite concerned because he wouldn't seem to be making notes and just before an exam I would photocopy my notes and give him um, but interestingly he would write some piece of information which none of us seemed to know <laughs> including our history teacher uh, <laughs> who would clearly be very impressed by him. <laughs> What amazing memories. Um, it sounds like an incredible time. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so y'all are in art school, making work very much affected by your surrounding climate, you know, going to libraries, chatting with colleagues, thirsting to absorb as much information as possible. Um, but how was it like being a student or graduate at that time in terms of what art spaces were like and also what art spaces were looking for in young creatives? Um, You know, there were very few galleries at that time, of course, that we, you know, spent time visiting. So besides, say, the one public gallery that we all knew of, Jahangir Art Gallery, there were few private galleries like Kemold, Pandol Art Gallery or uh, Simrosa was another one. And Sakshi. But yeah, I think all of these were where we spent a lot of time visiting and seeing exhibitions by artists whose works we'd known. So I would, you know, if I think of my early years, the only access to artists' lives was through the Illustrated Weekly because there wasn't very much known about, um, you know, the profession as, you know, while one was always passionate and, you know, made a lot of work all along school years I was you know every teacher would tell me that you should go to JJ School of Art but I somehow never really uh, took it up quite seriously I always was passionate about medicine equally and so I think it was really these uh, the moment of uh, really you know having access to seeing other artists works. so it was fairly in those years it was fairly localized so it was looking at artists who were around us and they were very generously, you know, you could reach out to anybody, whether it was Akbar Padamsi, Lakshman Shrestha, uh, Koltesa, who was also a teacher, and who Nalini Malani, you know, whose work I was greatly drawn to, and um, Vivan Sundaram. And then one began to see a lot more work as artists were, you know, exhibiting in Bombay or, or um where we had the opportunity to really engage. I think one of the um, highlights for us used to be the conference at the Mohile Park Center because that was one moment when uh, the whole community, however small it was at that time, really congregated. And um, you had people, say, architects and, you know, from other streams who would 
all be part of the conference and that was an annual event which i think we all and it was such a small community you know and from mm-hmm. the early 2000s i think uh, or i think another vital role that um, the workshop model of say khoj international artists workshop tirtha mm-hmm. in sri lanka vasal and brito and you know whether it was in bangladesh and and uh, so yeah it was all of these that really expanded our understanding of um other artists practices because you really had the opportunity to work alongside artists from other regions and places and i think it was only in the early 2000s when other international exhibitions or invitations to group exhibitions began so it mm. was uh, fairly localized in those years mm. um did you have a similar experience jitesh you know i think uh, you know while reena was talking it was interesting how this conversation is kind of you know like taking me back you know down that memory lane you know things you haven't maybe thought about in a in a long time you know it's mm-hmm. kind of so really enjoying like kind of recapping memories but really i think uh, one of the things reena mentioned the mpcva conference was i think really quite powerful because it was i would say that you know intellectual stimulation at that time used to be kind of like an annual event <laughs> you know and you know when people gathered and you know you remained kind of energized by those interactions for many months to come you know and you would actually have to walk towards information you know you have to meet people you know mm. it's any kind of dialogue really happened to you know to you only if you met somebody right i mean it's like you know you that used to be i think the manner in which uh, interactions happened and i think uh, you know it's very hard for us to think about a generation now how different it would be to be an art school student when you know you could skype with other students in other parts of the world you could literally be on conversations that that are just completely global at any instance right so i yeah. think that it's very hard for us to really imagine what that means and equally ima- hard for a youngster now to really you know imagine what the art world then would have been um and so it was really quite a small uh network of individuals all of who were making work and i think as reena mentioned uh, the older generation was extremely generous in terms of you know for meeting us and things like that so we would uh, literally you know draw from those individual conversations what an incredibly special time um also you know your relationship was sort of nurtured during this time uh Did y'all ever find that y'all influenced each other during this period of learning and being exposed to similar experiences um you know what were the kind of conversations that you guys had and did they have some sort of impact um on the other you know we used to of course you know walk to these libraries together walk to the galleries you know just it would be like a, being a lot on foot you know mm-hmm. um and and the I wonder if it's still that active you know the amount of second hand books being sold off streets you know you would actually walk through those fort area buying old books and you know I think it was really you know trying to sort of uh, you know just generally with a wide eyed curiosity as an art student uh, mm. move through the city and 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 draw from it you know and I think um, at this moment of course be quite interesting to think about seminal teachers such as you know Prabhakar Kolte at the art school you know post krishna bachari who was a very energetic figure you know charismatically kind of like pied pipering a lot of youngsters around 
you know, and I think we would, and of course, he was a very generous Pied Piper, you know, who was an <laughs> insatiable learner. And I think that also made him an interesting teacher. You know, I think he would, because of his desire to learn, he was always energizing a lot of younger students to to learn more. And I think we, it was like a network of friends who would kind of hang out together and and in a very small art world setting in the 90s, you know, to, to really begin mm. making work together. That uh, wide-eyed curiosity and exploring together must have been so infectious and instrumental, I can only imagine. Um, but is that something you all feel still plays a part in your work? I mean, you all have exhibited together in many group and solo exhibitions over the years. And while also interestingly share two different parts of a studio space, you know, what is that energy like in the space? How do you all function in it? You know, in the very early days, of course, we shared a studio very back, long back, like two decades ago. You know, it was really a shared space, adjacent, small space next to each other. But I think right now we have, you know, these studio spaces which are adjacent in a very interesting way that we can, of course, move into our own spaces while we work. But we have some shared spaces where we interact and, and you know, shared infrastructure such as storage but I think we isolate ourselves when we work and I think we come back together and converge perhaps at lunchtime, mm. you know, and I think that's, that's been really quite, quite nice. I think, you know, and we've also had these, you know, uh, the two different studio spaces that, that function in two different ways. So mm. right now, like I'm tonight checking into my studio in Baikala for a few days, you know, I'm literally packing off for two or three days while Rina will continue to be here and you know so this kind of you know it's it's kind of completely um, you know there's not a fixed way in which we function but I think mm-hmm. that adjacency of the studios is really interesting we kind of are able to converse or you know talk to each other but also isolate ourselves you know yeah we... I think it's re- it was really important I felt at a certain time that we um, consciously maintained separate studios like Jyotish said so in the very early years of course there was no choice we had very little space in fact I lost Mm. a lot of my early work because a lot of it was large-scale and yet we never had the space and we moved studios several times Uh, also in terms of our personalities we're quite different Mm -hmm. and you know I kind of like a quieter you know Jyotish is someone who's very very energetic and energized by things so he's he has an, another way of functioning so I, I guess it was also um important in those early years to find our own individual voices which i felt mm. that even while we were in art school it was we'd known each other long enough and you know while we of course had seen the development and growth of each other's works closely mm-hmm. i still felt that it was important to preserve that space in some sense and uh, i had a uh, you know a, a leased out space for several years and it's only recently mm-hmm. like in the last say 6 7 years that we've had these two spaces which again now i feel much more comfortable because there is our own individual, you know, independent spaces within the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having lived together for so many years, you also realize that in the pursuit of, 
your ideas there's nobody else who can really understand you the way you do or at least mm. figure out and disentangle your own set of um inquiries which i think has to be uh, uh isolated or or sort of has to be a, a very sort of individual um journey which which of mm. course i think we've had the opportunity to do and and yet of course uh there is feedback as and when it's called for sometimes uncalled for <laughs> and yeah i think there's a lot more space for um uh, humor with jyotish around i guess i'm i think i guess yeah i get more uh, serious about not having too much disturbance he's far more sort of flexible and yeah he's the one who makes more mischief and yeah like i'm just like recalling that when i was working on this large piece called ellipsis hmm. um i would you know keep asking reena to kind of visit my side of the studio space and she'd be like you know why would you call me like four times a day you know and then <laughs> and then she would arrive and sometimes she'd say what about that and you know and i'm i'm quite an impulsive person when i paint i mean there are other aspects to my work that needs lots of reflection before i take one little action but mm. when i'm painting or when i'm drawing uh, there's the action is the thinking right so that's the body is really you know turbulent like the thought is turbulent or the body is relaxed if the thought is there's a cessation of thought you know you're just dancing to the tune of your thought when you're working on a on a very large painting so she would barely say something and i would have acted on the painting already and she'd be like why would you do that you know but actually what's interesting is at that moment when she has walked in mm-hmm. i have actually just called in an arbitrator you know because there's a there's a certain silence that is emerging from that painting and that call is like a desperate call for rescue you know just come and talk between us you know mm-hmm. that, that you know you say something and then the painting will talk to me and then that's great you know you've opened that channel and now i can get going you know and so it would happen quite a bit that i would actually frequently call on her at times she would see me react so quickly to something that she has just said that she'll wonder how could you even react so quickly and act on it and other times she'd say something and i would probably do just the opposite but each time the beauty is that she has just arbitrated uh, a situation of lack of conversation between me and that artwork mm. and then you know that and i i totally value that because you know and at at times it's you know it can be a very specific feedback at the other times it's this very seminal role that that uh, you know she's just connected uh, something that is just lost between uh, between that that piece and me you know and i think and i completely value that and and of course there is a lot of learning you know through osmosis even it's not something that is necessarily said or spoken but i think yeah there's 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 no no doubt that there's bound to be an exchange you know yeah i mean it's so lovely to know about these silent sort of collaborations behind the scenes um is that something that would also be a part of you know a dinner table conversation between y'all or a lunch break conversation at the studio sometimes a lunchtime conversation can simply be about just normal things you know and most of the time it's about just normal things because you want to be you know just normal all the time and you know just kind of return back to certain uh, heightened 
uh, ways of thinking about the work when you're in your own space. That's primarily where you're, you know, settling your most persistent intuitions, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, I can think of specific moments when I think, like, for instance, if I look back, if it wasn't for Rina having made Walls of the Womb sometime in 2007, mm. um, and I had been witness to the complexity of that journey for her, you know, the, the Walls of the Womb is a work that, you know, has text and words that come out of, of a late mother's recipe book that mm. goes, goes on to become these large scrolls. Um, and if it wasn't for Rina having made that work in 2007, not something that I knew at the time, mm-hmm. but when I look back now, it, if it wasn't for that work, I would not have been able to, in, in a way, muster the courage to make Epilogue, you know, which is this work, which mm-hmm. essentially is every wound that my father saw in his lifetime. Uh, the manner in which Epilogue happened to me was through a certain set of steps happening within my own work. But there's a certain point when you transition from that impulse, that nebulous impulse in your head to Mm -hmm. the challenge of making a work that seems so deeply personal that I would actually lose the certainty that this could mean anything to anyone else. But to actually have seen Rina journey through making Walls of the Womb, Mm I gathered the courage to make Epilogue. Now, if I look back, that's probably a, a tangible example I can think of, but uh, but I'm sure there's, like Rina said, you know, without realizing there's shared conversation. That said, much of the manner in which we work, much of the things that we are interested in looking at are very, very varied, you know. I mm. see Rina doing very, very specific tabulation of data, you know, of information, names, places, locations, uh, cartographic references. There's a whole set of images that form the archival basis to a specific work in her case. Mm-hmm. In my case, it's, it's you know, I wait for certain elements, certain archives to kind of telescope, to organize. It's all kind of nebulously out there until some things begin to crystallize. So I think, you know, I, I see Rina having folders and folders of information that go into <laughs> one particular work, which has specific uh, information that gets organized in certain ways. So I think we're very different in terms of the manner in which we function. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's been amazing to hear the connect between Walls of the Womb and Epilogue, you know, both very seminal and intimate works and pieces of y'all. So thank you for sharing what you guys did today and also taking us down memory lane to a time where y'all were students, you know, still exploring the city and trying to learn and absorb as much as y'all can about art and also sort of forming this creative and life partnership which is so beautiful and incredible to see and I can't wait to see where our journeys take y'all together so thank you for being a part of our podcast I mean it was lovely chatting with you guys today thank you Ashna it's been a pleasure <laughs> thank you Ashna <laughs>